0: You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. And it's a vision statement, which I'll talk about in a second, but it's a 10-word vision statement. Five of those words are fillers, and five are meaty words that I'm going to unpack. So let's just pray, and I really appreciate each and every one of you coming out. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for the history of this church, Lord, because you started this church. It's been through different people, different groups, but Lord, you are the visionary. You created this church. And Lord, you said on this church, on this rock, you will, I mean, you're building your church that the gates of hell won't prevail against it and we believe that lord and we love you jesus and lord i ask that this morning you would be glorified lord and i want just lord use my words not just to speak to minds but ignite hearts ignite souls ignite vision lord the same vision lord that the staff the elders and i have been working on that we're so excited about just let it resonate with those who you chosen to partner with us here we just love you lord because it's all about you. Just thank you for the beautiful worship. And Lord, there's just so many of those songs just resonate of where we're at. Lord, your faithfulness, great is your faithfulness. And just the love of God, all that you've done, you set us free, Lord, from our own captivity of sin and death, Given us life, life eternal in you. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So a little bit of background. Um, back in January, we had an elder retreat In the Elder Retreat, um, one of the words that came together was our first order of business, because we had severe trauma, as most of you know, um, one of our order of business was to right the ship. That was the word we got, right the ship. And the way we interpreted that was, okay, let's make sure this ship doesn't sink. So let's patch the holes and just take care of things, and then we're going to figure out where we're going to go. And then we thought, once we feel that the ship is stabilized, then we'll point in the direction where we're going to go. So good news, we feel that we have stabilized in many areas. We're not finished yet, but we have for the most part. So now we're pointing to the direction where we feel God wants us to go. So that's a real good thing. And this is just a phase. We're kind of just scratching the surface uh, today. Um, And at the end, what I want to do is I kind of want to open it up to like a, just a corporate family time, just to do like an affirmation, maybe it's just a yes, Lord, we're going to go for it. Yes, I want to be part of it. Or maybe you just want to shout out a prayer or even give a prophetic word or, or just something. So, Because we are a church family, we're a church body, and I, at the end I just want to open that up. I know that's always a little risky, but hey, you never, you never get a reward if you don't take a risk. Isn't that what they always say? So right now, though, I need four volunteers, four brave volunteers. Is there any volunteers who wants to come up here? All right. Lene, any, any, I need three more. And bring your money. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> she's like, I don't know what I'm getting into. Okay, we got one. I need three more. All right. All the, all the brave ones are ladies. Look at this. And Celeste is coming in the back. All right. We got, we got our four. Celeste, are you coming up? All right. So I am, this is sort of a little bit of an illustration here. Um, I have two teams here. So I'm going to just give some secret instructions to both of them, and then I'm gonna let them go, and then we'll debrief a little bit, okay? All right, uh, Rebecca, team Rebecca, come on back. Okay, so um, interesting here. We did this to the kids, we did this at the kids' service too, so all right. So I'm gonna ask Rebecca, what what, what were the instructions? What did I tell you to do? Go. Really? That was it? And so, what did you do? I went. <laughs> and I got stuff. And what kind of stuff? Oh, I have phones, um, keys, Kleenex, a knife, a knife pins, <laughs> um, card keys, right? Um, um, card keys. Yeah. Snacks, Okay, and why, did, why did you do that? I don't know. It sounded like a good idea. Okay. <laughs> and books. You can hold, Okay, everybody's so generous, she yes. said. All right. Okay. Nancy, yes. what, what, what was the instructions I gave you? Um, he told us to go get two muffins and two bottles of water to the left side of the refrigerator in the kitchen. And what did you get? We got that. Perfect. Okay, so did you have any problems finding it or anything like that? Yeah, we had trouble finding the water because I think somebody had oh. taken them from the place <laughs> where they were supposed to okay. be. Okay, who was? No. <laughs> All right. So we found him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we have two teams here. One was given clear direction, a clear vision, and they got what they they they, they reached their goal. Well done. And even though very very creative, um, I think Rebecca said, "Well, we didn't we just didn't know what to do, so we just started doing something." (laughs) They stole stuff in church. She says they're donations. Well, please give all those back, but give a round of applause to our volunteers. Thank you, guys. All right, thank you. So with a clear vision, clear direction, they knew exactly what they were going to do. In the first service, I did the same thing. And these kids, there was three kids on both teams. And the kids, I just said, go. They started wandering and all of a sudden it was they, they disappeared and we were kind of worried and they ended up walking through here, halfway through like, the, the competition because they just were wandering. They didn't know what to do because the, the directions were go. So what I'm getting at is we have come up with a vision statement and I want to tell you, first of all, why it's important, the process, and then we'll uh, sort of digest, dissect the vision statement itself. So a vision statement is what an organization does to achieve its, in the, to achieve in the long run, and, and it depicts a vision of what the organization will look like in the future. So first you have a vision statement, then you get a mission statement, and then you get goals. I mean, it's a long process, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. But some key elements of a good vision statement, it must be forward-looking, motivating, clear, a reflection on the organization's culture and values, and shows where it's going. Now, we're a church, and we're not a corporation or just simply an organization. You know, in fact, we are the people of God on earth to spread the kingdom of God on earth. So that's who we are. But yet, there is wisdom in having a vision statement, I believe. And I think a vision statement will show us and show you and help keep us directed of where we're going. Otherwise, we'll just start collecting everything we can from you guys. (laughs) <laughs> or we'll just wander around not knowing where we're going to go. No, but we want to be focused on what we do. And you know what? The overall church, there's, the, there's our church heritage, and then there's the Big C Church. And I think our vision for the Big C Church is simple. It's to go out and make disciples, to baptize people, to love God with all our heart, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as self. So we're, that goes without saying that that's our overall mission and Jesus is the captain of this ship, and he has the right at any moment to tell us, no, go, go left, go right, we serve him. Um, but their vision statements is like a flavor of who we are. There's the big vision, and then there's what God has called heritage to. Just like each one of you. Each one of you is unique to you. You have your own fingerprint, your own likes, your own dislikes, your strengths, your weaknesses, Your tastes. And that's what we are as a church. We have some distinctions about us that I feel God has called us and we need to fulfill in our vision statement. Um, And also a vision statement will, will help us say yes to what we're supposed to do and no to what we're not supposed to do. And you see visions in the Bible all the time. Remember the children of Israel when they were leaving Egypt? God gave them a vision. Anybody remember what that vision was? Go to the promised land. He says, I have a promised land filled with milk and honey. So that was their vision. And it, was, it wasn't like they had an exact plan all the time. I mean, there was this cloud they had to follow by day. Sometimes they had to move, sometimes they didn't. And at night, it was this fire guiding them. And sometimes they camped for a long time. But what that vision statement said was that when they were camped at a location, and it wasn't the promised land, and maybe someone came up with an idea and they said, you know what, we re- really, what we really need right now is a plumbing system. Let's start digging here and let's do the irrigation and a plumbing system and let's build brick homes and let's just put all of our efforts. And then the people thought, well, our vision is to go to the promised land. This isn't the promised land. So let's just be happy with tents because we're just moving through. So it gave them direction of what to do, where to go, and also what not to do. And you know a good example of of a of a vision statement that I like is Mercedes-Benz. Um, I know probably a lot of people in here drive those, but you know there's a lot of cars out there, a lot of car companies, but what makes a Mercedes a Mercedes? Well, I think it's found in their vision statement, which is usually at, on every commercial they give. And th- anybody know what it is? It's the best or nothing. So every time they look at a new product to go in their car, whether it's a spoiler or a stereo system, that's their vision. Okay, is this the best spoiler? Well, if it's not, no, because our vision is the best or nothing. So that's what we want. A healthy vision statement will define who, what we're all about and what we do. And actually, in fact, it's dangerous not to have a vision statement. Um, in Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And in this case, where there was no vision, you got your stuff taken. (laughs) But where there is no vision, the people perish. That's why we're doing this. And remember when Jesus looked at Peter and he said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. In a sense, that was a vision for Peter and Peter had to make a decision. Am I gonna follow Jesus? And he did and the Lord fulfilled his promise. And there was another young man, remember the rich young ruler, and he gave a similar vision. He says, follow me, but first, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and then follow me. And that guy walked away from the vision God had for him. So sometimes visions aren't easy, they're challenging. But I'm asking that God will give you the grace to to move with us and to be part of this vision. Um, So in a moment, I'm gonna give you the vision statement. I wish I could have a drum roll here. Um, But I just wanted to give you a little bit of background of how we've got here. So as a team, elders and staff, we've talked together about this. We've discussed it. We worked really hard. We looked at our past, you know, the foundations of our church, what was good about us, what could be changed. And the recent painful history, we looked at that too. And then we prayed, we fasted, and we really were crying out to God to hear his voice. And then as we were doing this process, we just n- had to notice among the team, like just the excitement of, of what God is doing and what, how God was speaking to us. And it's almost, and we kept getting words like, this is a clean slate. Uh, someone in the staff had, had a visual of a little baby, and it's a brand new baby, and it's us uh, up to us to rear this baby the way God wants us to rear it. So it's kind of a unique opportunity. We had one of our elders comment, and he says, it almost feels a bit like a church plant but fortunately we got a lot of people good finances in a building you know those are the huge challenges of, of church planting well i have a amen from mike fanning back there he's he was true to you know he's, he knows how difficult that can be so we kept asking god where do we where do we go from here and it's interesting along the way we would have other people a lot of people in the congregation here that some of the prophetic people they would give us words and it was just right on and some of them didn't even know we were doing this. And they're like, well, the word is like, I feel you guys are wrestling with this and just keep it going because God's in it. And it was just really, really encouraging. So we have five keywords in a 10 word vision statement. So I'll read, I'll read the vision statement without the five keywords, and then I'll go through each one. So this is their is basic vision statement. Blank, the blank of blank, and the blank of blank. It'll, be, it'll get better. It'll get better right now. Man, you guys are an easy audience. If you're getting excited about this, wait till it gets revealed. But anyway, the first word for 200 points is, you know, is God. So the blank, blank, the blank of God, and the blank of blank. And God, isn't it always about God? Isn't that why we're here? Everything is about God. We are centering our lives, you know, our church everything on God. And when I say God, we're talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, it's a mystery, the whole Trinity, but we we want to embrace God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, because God is powerful. He's personable. He's love. And the perfect revelation of God himself is in Jesus. And so the first word is God. The second word blank the blank of God and the blank of family. The second word is family. And at the end, what I'm gonna ask you to do is write this down and think and partner and pray with us about this. So uh, just in the meantime, just soak it in. So sometimes we forget, as humans, what an honor it is to be made in the image of God because God made us in his image. But God is inherently relational. That's why they even have the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a a bond, a relationship, even in the Godhead. And I think as humans, we have that same inherent need for community, ultimately for family. You remember when God created Adam? He said, and this was before sin, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he gave him a wife and ultimately a family. So family is God's idea, and we are designed to live in the context of a family. And what is family? I mean, we all know what it is. It's, it's parents. Actually, one of the kids, it was uh, Jared's son, Joel. He said, a family. And I just asked the kids, because that's what you have to do in the first service to keep their attention, interact with them. And he's like, family is where people love each other and they'll do anything for each other. And I'm like, man, you should come up here and preach. He was awesome. But that's, what, that's basically what it is. And a traditional family is one of the closest human it's the closest human um, units in society. It's like the nucleus of society. And, you know, it's funny how the enemy has so attacked the family because he knows if he could break down the family, he breaks down society. Um, And probably for you, I would imagine your family has had more influence on you than any other group in the world. And that could be for good or for bad. Um, And the family really shapes you, whether you like it or not, in their dysfunction in the or maybe in the absence of a family, or the best of your family. And because families are powerful, your family can set you up for either success or failure. And as Christians, we are supposed to be family too, because we're brothers and sisters. Why? Because we have the same father. We're the same lineage. I have uh, just one brother, George, and we're brothers because we both come from my dad. <laughs> um, I remember growing up, the church we, we grew up in, It was a little more traditional, and they used to call each other brothers and sisters. It was Brother Stevenson and Sister Phillips, and my dad was Brother Klaus. (laughs) And it was really kind of cool. You did have that sense of family. Um, And I think God has designed Christian families or the family of God to be a model to society because our society needs families. It needs healthy families. And I think God is calling us to be a beautiful, healthy, godly family. Because families invest in each other. Families teach each other. You know, I I learned a lot from my dad because he personally invested in me. Families are safe, and home is a safe place. At least ideally. And I know it doesn't always work out like that. But families help each other in need. And they work things out. You know, it's interesting because I've worked in business with my brother a lot, and I've had other business partners, too, who are not family. And the big difference is my brother and I have probably had some of the biggest issues in our business and our relationship that I've had with other people, but we always work it out because we're brothers, we're family. And when we're not family, it's like, okay, if I can't work it out, let's just go our separate ways. And you know what? My dad instilled that in me when I, both my brother and I, when we were kids, uh, he was a product of the war. He immigrated from Germany, and I think he had four or five siblings. And all of them died either before the war or during the war. And so he valued family, and he always said, "You got to stick together because you're all you each other's have. You're family." And so he stuck. He 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 made that stick in us, and we worked it out. And families work it out. You can't just walk away from a family. And families are multi-generational. You know, there's the kids, then there's the parents, the grandparents, and even great-grandparents. Any great-grandparents here? There we go, got a couple. Yeah, what an honor. And we wanna honor each other, and it's not just a focus on one generation. A family focuses on all the generations. I'll never forget one time, it was one of the weirdest days I ever had. Uh, In the morning, we had an appointment with my son when he was thinking about going to Biola for college, we went and we visited. We got a tour of the campus. And I had an appointment with my parents that day to go visit a cemetery for their plots. And it was just like, wow, what a, what a difference. And it was just like I was caught in the middle. But that's what families do. It's multi-generational. And also families re- reproduce. They make babies and they grow. And as a church family, we could, we could just say, you know what, we're good with our 1.5 kids you know, in Europe, most, most families have like 1.3, 1.5 kids. And you know what? If they keep going, they're going to become extinct because you can't, you can't grow. And as, as a church body, it's comfortable. But we need to birth new Christians into our body, into our church body. And that sometimes requires sacrifice, and when you experience family right in a healthy way, it changes you and helps shape you into what God wants you to be. So family, that's the second one. We want to be a family. The next word is blank, the presence of God, and the blank of family. So this is the presence of God. There is nothing like the presence of God. Can I hear an amen on that one? Amen. Right. Anything you hear that's good, just say amen, please. Amen. We got to change that culture, too. You know, it's a mystery when you encounter the presence of God, isn't it? You can't see it, you can't feel it, but you know it, you sense it, and it changes you. You don't understand it, just like we don't quite understand the Trinity, what that looks like. And the presence of God is the most satisfying experience you can have in life i think king david said it right he said it in psalm 16 he said you god will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore so he said in your presence in the presence of god is fullness of joy you know our families can give us joy i have fine joy in my wife my children my extended family and a lot of activities and hobbies, pleasures. But I, the only thing that can give me fullness of joy, 100% joy, is God. And I think each one of us has that yearning in our heart to have the fullness of joy. And that can only be found in the presence of God. See, it makes all the difference. It, 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 the presence of God changes lives. And it's a, the presence of God is a spiritual breakthrough in the human world. And every time you see in the Bible, someone who encounter the presence of God, they're changed and they do crazy things. Remember that story when there was Elisha? Remember he was the junior and Elijah was the senior. And Elijah was told to go raise up Elisha. So he went and he walked by and, and Elisha was busy doing his own thing. He had, he had work stuff and he was busy. And then Elijah threw his coat on there. And all of a sudden, Elisha looked and thought, and says, Hey, I'll, I'm going to come right with you. I'm going to follow you. And first, let me go say goodbye. And, and, and uh, Elijah's like, What did I do to you? You know what happened? He experienced the presence of God. And what he did is he took his profession and he said no to it. And he sold it. He said goodbye his, to his family and he followed Elijah. He did a crazy thing. When you encounter the presence of God, you do crazy things, you are changed. And when the, God's presence come, his gifts flow, all the gifts of the spirit, healing, the prophetic, salvation, even the Bible. When you read the Bible and the presence of God is there, it just pops out to you, hits you in the soul, it changes you. And there's deliverances too. And sometimes people are a little afraid of allowing the presence of God to move because it's a bit messy. And so it's like, well, I don't want to have to deal with the mess, but we're saying yes to the presence of God, even if it brings some messy moments, because we're going to pass through those moments and clean up the mess. We, 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 want it, we want it so bad. And then with God's presence also comes the fruits of the Spirit. There's love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, patience. That's only, there's a residue of being in the presence of God. And you know what? We want to give God room to move at every level in our church and to experience the presence of God. We want to have our kids experience the presence of God. When they experience the presence of God, that'll change them. You know, I, I, that's a huge value for us as a family. And even for my children, I've always made sure that they would be environments where the presence of God was there in the hopes that God would touch them. And sometimes they would go and they'd come back and eh, it, was, it was good. But one time, especially for my, my oldest daughter, Crystal, she went and she had an encounter with God, and she saw the Lord touch her with his finger and said, I'm marking you for me. And she was different. You know. And before she went to Sunday school, she knew it all. We had the, the picture Bibles, and she was good. But when she encountered God in his presence, you know what? When she goes to college, when she's out with friends, she has this compass already from God because she experienced the presence of God. And we want it in our small groups. We want it here on Sundays. And what does that look like? Well, sometimes we might just let worship go because we're, we're sensing God wants us to worship him. And other times, like during worship, we might feel that, you know, God wants to heal somebody or there's an opportunity for salvation. Or we might sense that God is really highlighting inductive Bible study. And we might shorten worship because God's presence at that moment is on the teaching. So whatever God wants to do, we want to partner with him. Because we are hungry for the presence of God. And the presence of God the Father, the presence of God the Son, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The next word is power. We're getting close. So it's blank, the presence of God, and the power of family. So it's not just family, but there's power. When a family is healthy, there's power in that. There's power in family. In a healthy family, there's power in a godly family. You know, Trevor Cummings, for those of you who who know him, we were talking about this, and he told a story. He was attracted to our church family before he was attracted to Jesus. He came here, and it was like, wow, these people are nice. There's something here. And he came in, he jumped in, and then through that, he became attracted to Jesus and he gave his life to the Lord. He didn't grow up in church. And today he's an elder. Yeah, so there is an attraction about the power of family when it's done right. And my observation is we've actually done this pretty good. I think this is really a great strength of ours. And this has helped us weather this storm because, you know what, we're tight knit and we've all been hurt and confused. And it's like, you know, like when, when someone dies in our family and we have a tight family, we can get through that pain and sorrow. And I think we have had a good run with the power of family here. But I think what we really need are some good spiritual mothers and fathers. Some good spiritual mothers and fathers. See, a spiritual mother and father is different than a discipler. We are called to disciple, and that's what I'm advocating here. But imagine if we did it in the power of family, where we had a heart of a mother and a heart of a father to disciple people and to bring people in. And you know what the difference is? Like, a, a, just a discipler is kind of like a brother to brother or a sister to sister. But you know, among brothers and sisters, anybody besides me you've noticed that sometimes there's sibling rivalries. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna disciple you, but I don't want you to be better than me <laughs> or better looking than me or win that game. But you know, a heart of a mom or a heart of a dad is like, I'm going to disciple you and I want you to be better than me. I want you to grow taller than me. I want you to be better looking than me. I want you to be richer than me, more educated than me. That's what a good parent wants. Better for their kids than for themselves. Can you imagine if we had that attitude as spiritual mothers and fathers? We would really sacrifice for the next generation, for those underneath us. Or maybe it's about their their same age, but we took on people and we're like, you know what? I'm going to be your spiritual father or your spiritual mother or maybe an aunt and an uncle and I'm going to pour into you and I want the best for you even if it's not good for me. That's what the heart of a father and a mother will do. Selfless love, no competition, pure. And when a kid feels the pure love of a parent, they'll succeed. They'll be loved they probably won't end up in a shrink's office. <laughs> you know, when you don't have that, yeah, you have to go through counseling. It's, it's hard. And I mean, I know my run here as a pastor is, is short, but I've just seen the devastation in my office talking to people when they've had rough childhoods, when they didn't have that, that normal stuff that should be normal. And they're, as old adults, they're going through issues in their childhood. Can you imagine if we had godly parents godly family, a power of that, that could change that? I mean, I'm not trying to put out, you know, anybody who's in the counseling business out of business, but wouldn't it be nice if there was less counselors because we had a healthy, powerful family like that? And you know what? So the presence of God came, in a sense, in a new way in the in the second chapter of Acts. You know, the power of Pentecost came, tongues came, and that's where the church in power was really birthed in a lot of ways. If you look at that, and then you look later in the chapter, there was this amazing family that had a lot of power. And that's the kind of family I think and we've been dreaming about becoming. So if we turn to Acts 2, starting in the 42nd verse, it gives you a little bit of glimpse, and I'm just going to touch on it real briefly. But in the 42nd uh, verse of Acts chapter 2, it says, they, the Christian body, the church family, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and the breaking of bread and prayer. They were devoted to each other. A good family is devoted to each other. And it says in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. God was moving and his presence was manifested. Imagine at every event at Heritage, God's presence was so strong. You came away, and you're like, how was it? It was like, ah. Oh. it was." You were in awe. You didn't even know what to say. Have you ever been in a service like that? Or have you ever had an encounter like that? You come away, and you're like, wow. Wouldn't that be neat if that was normal? Well, why not? Why can't we dream? Because this is really a God dream. This is bigger than any of us. Anyway, in verse 44, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Who does that? Family. I still sometimes go into my parents and I'm like, oh, you know what, I need a pen, can I just take that? Or, you know, like, I go to my parents and sometimes I just think, well, that's mine, so I just take it. Or my kids do that with me. They go to my office, oh, I'm out, so they just take my stapler and then I'm looking at my stapler. You know what I mean? Like, it's annoying sometimes as parents, but we do it as... To our, to our, we did it to our, you know, parents too at one time, but families share. They sacrifice for each other. Like, I wouldn't just go into some strangers and borrow something, but if it's family, we do. And that's what we want to do. We want to share. We want to help. If, if someone's in need financially, we help. If someone's in need emotionally, we help, whatever it takes. And in verse 46, it says, they continued... Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And they were together, and really it was a culture of family. What we're talking about is a culture of family, not just a family, but a culture where it comes second nature. And it says in verse 47 Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. When things are healthy, they grow. When families are healthy, they'll grow. Our youth right now is very healthy. And last Wednesday, we had four people accept the Lord. It's growing because it's healthy. And there there are four new kids coming to our family, our youth family. I think humans long for family. It's a core basic need in in our DNA. And everyone longs to belong, to be part of something. And what if the power of family became so prominent here at Heritage that... Everything we did was just to either linger in the presence of God and to be with family. And we longed for it. We wanted it. And we became good at it. Well the last word in our vision statement is experience. What do you mean by what do I mean by experience? Well, I think David in Psalms thirty four eight sums it up. He said, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Tasting and seeing is experiential. How many people think In-N-Out burgers are the best? And how many people, when you have someone from out of town, you're like, you got to go to In-N-Out. Right. And you imagine if, could you honestly say that if you haven't had a burger? Like, imagine if you went to In-N-Out, you ordered one, and you took it and you looked at it, you took it apart, you analyzed it, And then you went back into the kitchen, you saw how they made it, and you got the ingredients, and you looked at the menu, and you memorized it. And you knew everything in there. And you smelled it, touched it, rubbed it against yourself. I mean, maybe that's a little weird. But you did everything possible, except you didn't eat it. Would you really know the deliciousness of the In-N-Out Burger? You wouldn't. It would be a theory. And unless you experience God, it's still a theory. You can know everything, And get so close. But we have to taste and see. We have to experience this for this to be real. And I think that's the biggest challenge with our kids. Is we can teach them and hey memorize this. And go here and do that and don't do that. But when they experience the presence of God. When they experience God Almighty. When they experience Jesus. When they experience the Holy Spirit. It's like trying to talk someone out of. That In-N-Out is not the best burger. Once they taste it, it's like no. You can you know talk to me. You're blue in the face, but In-N-Out is the best. But if I've never tried it In-N-Out, someone can talk me out of it. Yeah. And so I want to unveil our mission statement. There we go. Feels like we're at camp. Well, we are outside, right? All right, it is experience the presence of God in the power of family. Woo! 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 Experience the presence of God in the power of family. And this sta- statement is very simple. It's almost childlike. But if we can get these things right, I think we're on to something. I think God could really touch us. God could really use us. I mean, there's a whole thing that needs to develop and and other things, how they fit in. But it's really five key words. Experience, presence, God, power, and family. This is where we want to go. And I believe if we get this right, we can have so much more than we have now. And I want more of God, and I know you do too. I want more of God's presence. I want more of family. I want more of power of family. I want more of experiencing God and the power of family. And families can get messy. And sometimes God's power and presence moves, it gets messy. In my family, you know, it's been the greatest, greatest blessing and probably why I'm here today. But there's been some moments, some hurts, that have been so deep because they were from my family. But in the end, it all works out. It it was worth it. And I want this for Heritage, for all of you. I want this for my kids, for my family. We all do. And that's why I took on this role, really, to to experience God and his presence and his family. So what's our call to action, if, if that's an appropriate term? Well, we want everyone in our church, and if you're a guest this morning, <laughs> well, welcome to our church. Um, this is probably a good behind the scenes look. It doesn't happen very often, but this really gives you an indication if this is, if this is somewhere you wanna be or not. But we want, if, if, we want everyone in our church to know, to internalize, and to own our vision statement. And every single one of us should be able to articulate, well, what's heritage, what is heritage about? Well, heritage is a place you can experience the presence of God and the power of family. We want this at every level, our community groups. Hey, what's this community group about? Well, this is what Heritage is about. What about the men's and women's ministry, or Sundays, or our children's? Wouldn't it be neat if someone at school asked your third grader, what is is Heritage about? Well, Heritage is a place where you can experience... The presence of God in the power of family. Oh, what does that mean? Isn't that a great conversation piece? And you know what? Families stick together through thick and thin. They love each other unconditionally. We want a culture of that. And we want to pursue the presence of God at every level. It's almost like we want to be expert sailors. And you know the difference between an expert sailor is he has this sense where the wind is going. And so he can position the sails exactly to maximize the wind. And you can't see the wind. It's a little mysterious. And that's what we want to be with the presence of God. To be able to like, we feel God's moving us this direction. So let's set our compasses and let's go with that. And we want this to be your home. You know, when it, when, when people experience family, the power of family, they call it home. And we want this to be your home. Joe Severson Um, last Sunday, he shared something that was very timely. Like I said, there's been a lot of prophetic words that have confirmed, and he had a dream, and and Nancy's like, I gotta tell you about Joe's dream. So Joe told it to me, and in his dream, Joe was far away from where he wanted to be. So he decided to try to get back home, and he didn't quite know where that was. And at certain places, he said he went to places he thought was like churches, and he said nothing was happening, and he still knew he wasn't home, Then he felt like he was getting close to something and then he said he heard me preaching and he said to myself he said to himself this is it this is home i know thank you joe it's awesome and that's what we want we want heritage to be your home we want this to be your home where you experience the presence of god and the power of family and this is merely a first step because god usually doesn't tell us what the whole road is going to be look like just like god said hey Go to the promised land, land filled with milk and honey. And they didn't know all the journey and twists and turns they would have to go. But we're going in this direction. This is our first step. So what we would ask you to do is to pray into this. Write this down, this vision statement. Take a picture of it. Pray over it. Let God speak to you about it. And if he shares something that you want to share, talk to me. Talk to one of the elders or the staff. Email us or text us or call us. We would love to hear from you. And, but you know what, like some of this we've been good at, so this isn't, we're not completely reinventing the wheel. But we don't want to just get back to our peak. It's like, man, we had a rough go. If we could only get back here, we would be happy. We want more. And the best way for me to describe it is, remember I told you the story of Elisha and Elijah? So Elisha, he was touched by the presence of God, and he gave everything up, and he followed Elijah. Elijah. And he saw miracles. He saw amazing things. And most people would have said, you know what? If I could be like that guy or three-quarters of that guy, I would be happy. So at the end of Elijah's life, before he was taken up, he was bugging Elijah because he wouldn't leave. And finally, Elijah says, well, what do you want to Elisha. And you all know the story. He's like, I want a double portion. And then Jesus said, you will do greater things than even I did. So we want more. The staff, the elders. We don't want to just hit a peak that we were in the past. We want more. We want a double portion. We want a double portion of the presence of God like we've never felt before. We want a double portion of the power of family. We want a double portion of the presence of God and the power of family. I want more. I want you to want more. <laughs> Let's long for this together. And you know what? This is a God dream. This is way bigger than me, the elders, the staff. I mean, we got a pretty good team now, but this is way bigger than us. We could never do this on our own. How can you channel the presence of God? God is God. And sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes he shows up and sometimes he doesn't in your quiet time, in our church services. So it's risky, you know? We don't want to stay controlled what we can control, we're saying, no, this is a God dream. This is bigger than us, and this is where we want to go. And it's not an us or me thing. This is a God dream. So my question is, will you join us on this journey, this simple journey? And this is the first step. Don't worry, I won't take an offering. (laughs) Yeah, amen. So you know what? Remember, I said in the beginning, it would be neat to have some type of public affirmation. Of if, if this is resonating in you, you might just say an amen, like Bill said, and he's, I mean Gary said he's been here forever, um, or maybe this is you know you've been here a month or two. You know, if you want to shout out a praise to God right now, or yes, or I'm in, I'm in, or even like. Thus saith the Lord. (laughs) Can we stand up? (laughs) Amen. All right. Let's just praise the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we say yes to what you have for us. We say yes to what you have. Yes to your dream, because this is a God dream. This isn't anything but a God dream. We want to go where you're taking us, Lord. We don't want to walk around aimlessly. We want to go into the promised land that you have for heritage. And just like you were faithful to get the children of Israel to their promised land, you will be faithful to get us to our promised land. Yes, Lord. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.